Welcome to All Things with Jen Oshman, where we look at events and trends through a Christian lens. All things were created through Jesus and for Jesus, so we're seeking to apply His Word to what's happening here and now. On today's episode, I am joined by my friend, Hannah Nation. She happens to be in Denver, so we are recording this together in person, which is a rare treat. I've had Hannah on All Things before to talk about the church in China, and I'm excited to have her back for a couple reasons. I mean, the first reason that comes to mind is that China is in the headlines again. Of course, China's rarely not in the headlines, but over the last few weeks, a few significant things have happened. Um, In late October, Xi Jinping, the country's most powerful leader in decades, awarded himself another term as leader of the ruling Communist Party. There's definitely growing tension between the United States and China when it comes to trade and the nation of Taiwan. And then, of course, President Biden and Xi Jinping just met for a conversation. Um, So there's just a lot happening when it comes to Chinese politics, headlines about China, relationships between China and the United States. But as a Christian in the United States, um, you know, I am most interested in current events and trends, and China is often at the front and center. And I want to look at those current events through a biblical lens. So when I think about China, I wonder about our Christian brothers and sisters there and how they're doing and what's happening and, you know, even what Xi Jinping's rule and reign means for the Christians who are in China. So that's one reason I'm happy to have you on, Hannah, is just China's in the news again. And so it's so helpful to have your perspective help to bring us back, root us back into what's true, um, what God is doing in and through the church there. But the other reason I'm excited to have Hannah Um, on the podcast today is um, she is intimately acquainted with the church in China, and she is the editor of a book that is releasing in December. The book is entitled Faithful Disobedience, Writings on Church and State from a Chinese House Church Movement. The book looks excellent. I cannot wait to read it. I think we have a lot to learn from it. So Hannah, welcome to All Things. Thanks for having me again. Great to be sitting here with you in person. <laughs> I know it's awesome. We're not we're not looking at each other on a screen, yeah. which is fabulous. And I think Hannah, you might be my first second time guest. The oh, first one to wow. be on all things two times. What an honor. <laughs> so yeah, so thanks for being here. Okay, so start us off and tell us just more about for those who don't know you, who maybe didn't hear the first time I had you on all things, tell us more about your background with China, the church in China, and then start to tell us about this new book. So I've worked with China my whole adult life at this point. I first went to China in 2005. Um, I taught English, and um, I was a college student and went with a program that sends college students to teach English in the summers, and it really impacted me significantly. Um, It's hard to go to China and not be blown away by how many people are there, how old of a civilization it is, Mm -hmm. and just the gospel opportunities kind of smack you in the face. I went and I lived there for two years. Um, I was involved in campus ministry, and then I came back and worked with Chinese international students here in the U.S. because there are Chinese everywhere, Mm -hmm. and um, often it's an amazing opportunity to share the gospel Mm -hmm. with Chinese who just live down the street from you. I was recruited into um, working um, more on the writing and editing side of serving China, and basically um, my work, uh, the passion and vision behind my work is 
to help translate and publish and share the voices of Chinese house church Christians with the global church because God has been doing just an amazing work in China and they have a lot to share with us and a lot to teach us and so nowadays my my work is less um, campus focused mm-hmm. and much more um, working with books and publications yeah so, so this book um, that's coming out, this is actually my second book, but this is the book that really kicked off a lot of the work that I do today. Um, about five years ago, I was approached with the kind of seed of the manuscript for this book. Um, basically, there's a pastor in Southwest China, his name is Wang Yi. And um, he um, is a really fascinating person. He um, was a human rights lawyer before he became a Christian and Mm -hmm. began pastoring. He's a very sharp mind, um, very excellent writer. Um, He was pretty well known in China um, before becoming a believer. Um, He had been on kind of a, like, you know, there was a newspaper that did a like you know top fifty young intellectuals in China, and he was named on it. And he did um, movie reviews that people just loved, and he was a big online presence. Um, but he became a Christian, and um, pretty quickly began pastoring. Um, but he continued to be a very avid writer and. Um, very vocal online and um, has done a lot on the relationship of the church to society and the church to the state. And anyway, so um, about five years ago, um, I was approached by a a mutual contact um, because he had put together something that um, they were calling uh, a house church manifesto. Mm -hmm. And he really wanted it to be shared broadly. Mm-hmm. Um, I didn't have a lot of faith at the time. And so in my mind, I thought, this is just not going to happen. This is too complicated. Um, but uh, unfortunately, in 2018, um, he was um, arrested and his church was pretty brutally attacked and shut down. And um, that then became very visible to the outside world. Um, His arrest and the attacks on his church um, were discussed in really every major news publication. Um, And he wrote a statement called My Declaration of Faithful Disobedience that we helped to translate and, and publish on our blog and it went viral. Lots and lots of people read it. And um, eventually, in 2020, um, we decided that it was the right time and the right thing to move forward with publishing a book of his writings. Okay, um, bear with us, Hannah. Maybe zoom out a little bit. Why was he arrested? You know, for the listener who's like, I'm not really sure, you know, I thought Christianity was actually legal in China. Why was he arrested, and what does it mean that his church was attacked? What does that look like? So um, Christianity in China, so religion in China um, is complicated. Um, 
constitutionally, they do allow for religious freedom. Um, the main struggle often has to do with organized religion. Um, so it's very rare that you will find someone, you know, a persecuted for and kind of individualized internal faith conviction. Mm-hmm. Um, but in China, the things that uh, will make the governing authorities uh, nervous are anything that is perceived to be um, organized without permission. Mm-hmm. Um, or a conflict with the authority of the state. Um, And I think the further we move into this kind of new era of Xi Jinping's, you know, uh, rule, um, the more we're seeing a resurgence of not only conflict of authority, but conflict of allegiance and kind of um, where our ultimate allegiances lie. Mm -hmm. So... Really, all religions in China, um, there are formal state-approved ways to practice those religions, but they require a certain compliance with state oversight or um, state regulation and authority. So there is a state church within China. It's called the Three Self Church. And um, the house churches in China all refuse to submit to the authority of the Three Self Church. And over the decades, there have been times where that has led to active persecution. For example, during the Cultural Revolution and much of the middle of the 20th century, um, from a, you know the end of the 20th century into the more recent decades, there was a time of really relative openness where a lot of these house churches grew quite large. Um, Wang Yi's church, for example, um, had over 500 people wow. attending on a Sunday morning. They owned property. Um, they owned several floors of a business building and not only had um, their church space, but they had a very large library they had um, schools affiliated with the church Christian schools um, and they were very actively church planting (laughs) in their city Um, but in 2018 a series of new religious regulations were put into place and um, it took a while for people to know how much those religious regulations were going to be enforced or how much um, you know, sometimes China will have a regulation, but they don't actively enforce it. Um, but it became clear by the end of 2018 that this was going to be very heavily enforced. Um, there were other large churches in Beijing that were shut down early in 2018. And then at the end of 2018, on December 9th, um, early rain, which was Wang Yi's church, was attacked and um, to answer your question of what does it mean <laughs> that he was arrested and the church was attacked, um, this was really one of the most kind of brutal uh, attacks we've seen on a house church in recent decades. Um, he was, uh, starting on in that night, um, he was arrested and the entirety of the church 
leadership, all of the church elders were arrested. But then following over the course of the next several days, they continued to arrest not only the church leadership, but um, the wives and families of leadership. Um, and ongoing, uh, we've estimated probably around half of the church membership spent some time under arrest. Wow. So it was a very um, large-scale event. Mm-hmm. Um, they also uh, went in and confiscated all of their physical property. Mm. They confiscated all of their books, and there were there was a very large number of books in the library. It was thousands of books. I'm struggling to remember exactly mm-hmm. how many. Mm-hmm. Um, and they also... Um, froze all bank accounts and yeah it was a very very intense um altercation essentially um some members of the church um were physically beaten um and yeah overall it was a very violent attack it it was not kind of a quiet sure (laughs) um you know just so it was meant. Them. It was meant to make headlines. It, it was, was meant, meant to be yes, seen. Yes, it was meant to sure. spread. Yeah, 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 for sure. I just cannot imagine. You know, I'm picturing a church of 500 here in the United States that owns property, is affiliated yeah. with schools, is planting. You know, that describes a probably fairly healthy, growing, thriving church here in the U.S. Um, it's hard to imagine that pastor being arrested and wives of leaders being arrested and. Half the members, you say, maybe even were arrested and um, losing money, you know, assets frozen, and even being physically beaten. Like, to imagine that taking place in any town USA is really striking. So this book, Faithful Disobedience, is it strictly written by Wang Yi, or are there a number of contributors? And what kinds of stories are they telling us? So it's mostly um, by Wang Yi, but the first third of the the book, which uh, was this manifesto that he had put together. Okay. That is a compilation of not only his writings, but writings from other prominent house church pastors in Beijing, some of whom um, had had their churches closed early in 2018. Okay. Um, so the first third of the book is really, um, it's a very important historical document in many ways because um, it is so so Wang Yi um, is a Presbyterian pastor there's been a burgeoning movement towards Presbyterian polity and ecclesiology across mm. China mm. Um, but uh, the pastors in Beijing that um, are were included in this manifesto um, they are not. They're more uh, non-denominational. Um, so it's an interesting, it's just an interesting document um, from these pastors saying, you know, we come from somewhat different persuasions, but we agree on the nature of the church and the nature of the house church and what it means to be the house church in China and an effort to have unity on that topic with each other. Mm-hmm. Um, the rest yeah. of the book, though, so, so the first third of the book is the heaviest part or the most dense okay. part. Um, <clears throat> it's uh, still very readable, but 
it's definitely uh, getting into maybe more of the kind of some of the technicalities of um, why they are making the decisions they're making. Mm -hmm. It interacts a lot with the history of the house churches in China and their conflict with the three self church, um, which I I was I was a history major in both my and my bachelor's and my master's, so I love it. <laughs> I, I, I love nerding out to it. I found it very very interesting. Um, but the second and final thirds of the book, um, they're all by Wang Yi and. Um, they really show a lot of his movement from thinking as a uh, maybe a, a former human rights lawyer who thinks a lot about rights and mm-hmm. um, the technicalities of the law and constitutionality and how he's progressed more and more to think about the topic of religious freedom in the big picture of the kingdom of God and how the church and the church's presence on earth, um, what is necessary for that, and um, how uh, the, the church really inevitably will be in conflict mm-hmm. with all powers mm-hmm. um, because our allegiance lies to a higher a higher power and a higher king. Mm-hmm. Um, so a lot of the writings in the latter portion of the book come from either sermons that he gave to his congregation or like pastoral letters that he wrote to his congregation and they're much more um kind of interpersonal feeling Mm -hmm. or there are a few interviews in there Mm -hmm. um and there and he's just he's a really um he's just a very uh persuasive and and imaginative writer Mm -hmm. so one of the fun things reading him is that um, he does draw in a lot of um, just Chinese culture, um, but in a way that I think is still very accessible and understandable to someone who's not Chinese yeah. or doesn't know those references. It does sound so fascinating. How is he doing in prison? Do you know? Um, the, the knowledge about him is pretty limited. Mm. Um so he was arrested and charged under uh, the charge of subversion of the state, mm. which is a, the most serious charge you can be charged with in China. Um, it's a political charge. Yeah. It's not a um, you know kind of like a civil mm-hmm. or administrative charge. Um, and he was sentenced for nine years, which is the... Um, longest sentence given to a house church pastor since the cultural revolution Um, so yeah we there's a group called China Aid um, that's led by a man named Bob Fu they've done some reporting it seems that he's well Mm. um, but you know it is there's not much information. <laughs> right, so, right. Um, I, I believe China Aid um, is, is the best place to go to yeah. for kind of a journalistic um, report on, mm-hmm. on how he's doing. I can't imagine that his condition um, 
or the charges or what he's undergoing is going to lessen given the strengthening of Xi Jinping and the Communist Party. Yeah. It doesn't feel like, from a human perspective anyway, that better days are ahead, but probably the opposite. And does he have a family that is languishing on the outside of prison without him? Yeah, so he has um, a wife named Jianrong. Um, she's very lovely. I've met her before. Um, I've met Wang Yi once before, very briefly. Um, I had the privilege of interviewing him. Um, I actually, it you can find this on YouTube. Um, it's a very powerful. Um, we asked him to um, record uh, an interview or record a prayer, um, inviting the American churches to pray for China. And so, if you search on YouTube, it's just called Wang Yi's Call to Prayer. Hmm. Um, you can hear his voice. We don't. We didn't show his face. Um, probably at this point, if we went back, because. Um, Essentially, once you're in the place he's in, a lot of the security concerns are not so right. intense right. anymore. Um, but you can hear his voice. We have subtitles, and it's an incredibly powerful um, call to the American churches to pray for the Chinese churches. Um, <laughs> sorry. Mm. Um, I think one of the most... Um, powerful things that he talks about in that call to prayer is just um, how he talks about how if you come from a place where you have generational Christianity where you have second and third and fourth generations of Christianity that that is something that they don't have a lot of in China and he says you know use that privilege to pray for us Mm. and pray for us to have those generations mm. of Christian faith in our country as well. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so he has a wife and he has one son, um, and uh, they have had a very difficult time. Um, uh, so his wife was also in prison. She was in prison for close to a year. Wow. Um, and um, under very harsh conditions. Um, she has been, she, I mean, she is a very, um, active part of, you know, his life and his ministry. And so, um, essentially, um, she was imprisoned until he was sentenced and then, um, she was released under house arrest. Um, she's had very little contact with, um, other believers and and other people so for sure um as we pray for him we need to pray for his family right Um, his son is a teenager okay and he also has been under house arrest um essentially the whole time that his father has been incarcerated yeah so Again, so hard to imagine ourselves in those shoes. You know, I have teenagers. I can't imagine my husband being in prison and myself and my teens being under house arrest for our faith. It's really hard to wrap our minds around. Hannah, I know that you are passionate about the American church learning from the Chinese church. What um, Can you maybe leave us with a couple things? You know, what, what can we glean from the church in China? Um, I think, you know... Yeah. 
I'm guilty of this as well. In the West, we center ourselves so often. We we are given much. We come from generations of Christianity. Mm-hmm. We have seminaries and libraries and so much learning available to us. And yet um, we are weak in some places where the Chinese church is very strong and they do have so much to show us and teach us. So mm-hmm. what would be some of those things that we could be gleaning from our brothers and sisters in China? Yeah. Um, so there, I think the heart of what I would say we can take away from China is, um, just how we think about threats to the church or, um, you know, I, I don't think we're really anywhere close to talking about persecution in the U S there are some who do want to talk that way, um, But I think regardless, um, you know, everyone feels increased pressure as Christians in America, living as faithful Christians in America. And so whether or not we're going down the path of persecution, we are clearly um, dealing with more outside pressures Mm -hmm. from our culture and our society than we were. And I think... um, the main thing that Wang Yi and, you know, fellow Christians uh, like him across China have really taught me is um, how we treat those who are hurting us. Mm. <laughs> uh, mm. I think they talk about um, persecution as an opportunity to witness and an opportunity to fellowship with Christ and I think those two things are very different perspectives um, than what we often run to in the U.S. when we feel that pressure. Yeah. So, you know, um, Wang Yi, um, I think one of the most powerful things in the book it comes in, it's called My Declaration of Faithful Disobedience. It's where the title from the book comes from. This was essentially, um, he, as 2018 went on, he was aware that he was probably headed towards arrest. No one predicted how violent it would be, but there was a sense that something was coming. Mm -hmm. So he wrote this declaration as essentially his last statement. Yeah, wow. And he gave it to his church leadership and said, if I am detained for longer than 48 hours, release this. Because in China, if you're detained for longer than 48 hours, um, you'll, you're likely going to be charged with something and held more long-term. So um, in this statement... He says that um, everything that he's doing and um, all of the conflict between um, the house churches and the state is not an issue of fighting for personal rights or personal freedoms, but it's an issue of testifying to the reality of a greater world, Mm -hmm. a bigger world. And and I think that they, they really are learning and kind of um, living into the fact that when harassment comes, um, it's an apologetic moment. <laughs> yeah, know? It's a moment to um, be apologist. Wow. And so not only your words matter, but how you live and how you 
respond yes. to that attack um, testifies to the God that you believe in and what that or who that God is and what his design is. And so um, I think there's a lot in there to think about as Americans. I think there's a lot to ponder regarding um, our responses to enemies and responses to those that we feel like are putting pressure on us and whether we're, we're using it as a moment to preach the truth and testify to who God is or whether we're focused on defending ourselves yeah. you know, and um, defending our rights right. in those conflicts. Gosh, that is so good and so rich. Um, pondering how we respond to pressure, how we respond to the culture around us, the state around us, um, and just his wisdom that the church and state probably will always be in conflict, and how will we as Christians then respond Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. when we are faced with that pressure or allegations or mistreatment? Mm -hmm. And boy, do we have a lot to learn. They have set us a beautiful example in suffering with Christ. And I do pray that we in the Western church might be able to glean that wisdom and receive it with humility and emulate it if God puts us in that position. Mm-hmm. Well, I want to encourage all the listeners to grab a copy of Faithful Disobedience. Um, my show notes will also include links to the things that Hannah has mentioned, that YouTube video with the prayer by Wang Yi, um, as well as a link to China Aid so that you can keep on top of headlines coming out of China and ways to be praying for the church in China. And I think um, our call to prayer is only intensifying as the Communist Party strengthens in China. And um, the church, no doubt, feels increased pressure and persecution in China. So um, as Americans, I think we can feel like we're very far away from that. And what can we possibly do about it? But we can stay informed and we can pray. And as we pray, the Lord will conform our hearts to his and probably prompt us to different things. So, you know, let's be faithful with what we've been given and steward it for the whole church. Hannah, thank you for sharing just new horizons, new stories, new things to think about with us. Thank you for your faithful work and thank you for talking with us. Yeah, thanks for having me. Thank you for listening to All Things with Jen Oshman, where we look at events and trends through a Christian lens. All things were created through Jesus and for Jesus, so we're seeking to apply his word to what's happening here and now.